Welcome to the Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope, and I hope this encourages you wherever you're listening. Enjoy. Well, let me add my good evening. I think it's like the third good evening. It's just a really good time. Um, but welcome to church, whether this is your first time or your hundredth. It is so good and so important that we gather together to worship, to encourage, to edify each other and to be church. And today I really just want to share a short encouragement with you God's been speaking to me a lot through Isaiah 55. He's been reminding me that he's not a God of judgment or condemnation, but one who calls us to come close. Isaiah is a whole book written to a people living in exile, and yet to those who are rebellious, to those who are exhausted, to those who are searching for why they've ended up how they have, The Lord doesn't condemn or tell them off. Instead, he says, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. We all know what it is to feel thirst, to desire to have more of something. And I wonder what you're thirsty for today. Maybe it's more of God's presence, more of what's been going on at church. Maybe you thirst for a loved one to come back to faith, to come back to Jesus, to experience a hope that sets people free, that sets people on fire and fills them with a sense of purpose. Perhaps it's more practical or more personal. Thirsting is literal. You're worried about provision. Where is next month's rent going to come from? What is work going to look like? Whatever it is that you thirst for, can I encourage you that you're not alone, that rather throughout the story of the people of God, he has always responded and sought to encourage his children that he is the answer to every question we have. And their intimacy with him brings about more than we can ask or imagine. I feel like I was born a know-it-all. I love knowing things. And I'm sure if you asked my mother, she would be like, mm, yes. I like knowing what the weather's going to be. Because your girl's trying to look stylish and practical. I love knowing where my next home might be. Because this rental market is not a joke. Nothing is a given. I want to know everything, but if I'm honest, I want to know it because I want to control it. I want to have the answers so that they can quiet the fears that I hold, the things that worry me. I want to pinch every penny and every pound as if keeping tight savings will guarantee me the security that I long for. But what, slower than I should be learning, I am learning is that the only knowledge that God is interested in us amassing is the knowledge of him, the knowledge of his nature, of how good he is, how faithful he is, how just and how righteous God is. I was struck when I was thinking about what to share by a prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians. He says, I keep asking 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. I wonder if we would be people who keep asking, who keep knocking on the door, crying out for God to show himself, to reveal who he is so that we can give him back the insufficient boxes that we've tried to put him into. I wonder if earnestly we might seek the face of God, not settling for weekly moments of encounter, but making it the daily cry of our heart, enlighten us, Lord. Reveal to us the hope that you have called us to. Because this is knowledge worth going after. Not temporary fixes that make us feel reassured, but an ever-deepening relationship with the one who we were made to worship. I'm learning that knowledge for knowledge's sake is an empty pursuit. But the kind of godly knowledge that Paul intercedes for is worth devoting our entire lives to. And the thing is, you can't get to know God from afar. You have to come close. So might you come close today to the God who says, give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Come close today to the one asking if you might consider listening to him. If you've been quicker to understand God as a judge and as Lord, might you experience that he is also a father and a friend, that he is gentle enough to even ask permission for you to listen to him, that he is loving enough to want to show his unrelenting faithfulness to you. God is inviting every one of us here into deeper intimacy with him. And so as we come to read the passage together, I want to encourage you, expect every word to jump off the page. Highlight it, scribble on it, take a thousand notes. The word of God is living and active. It reads us as much as we read it. So we're going to turn together to Isaiah 55. And if you have a phone, an iPad, dare I say an actual physical Bible, take it out. (laughs) We are going to read the passage together. Come. All you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on that what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear to me and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not and nations that you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. 
Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Amen. Amen. It's a good bit of scripture, right? Come, listen, see, seek, hear. Do you hear the voice of God, of the one who loves you, inviting you into deeper relationship with him? Inviting you into new ways of living, of thinking, of being. Ways not known by anxiety and fear, but by hope and love. Do you hear him? Because he is speaking. God's invitation is wide-reaching. It is for each and every one of us, no matter how many times we fall short, no matter how unworthy we feel that we are, it is for you. When the Lord says, come, I wonder today if there aren't some of us in this room for whom he is saying, come back to me. I wonder if there aren't things that we have allowed to take his place in our heart, whether it's times where we've prioritized self-reliance or where we've even turned good gifts into unhealthy idols. Today, might God be asking us to turn back to him because as verse seven says, if you might turn to the Lord, he will have mercy on you for he will freely pardon I don't know about you, but often as a child, if I didn't want to talk to someone about something, it's because I knew I was in the wrong. I was hiding, I was fearful, I worried about repercussions. But the gift of confession and repentance is that you aren't going to someone who will punish you, but someone who can set you free. You are going to a father who will in love correct you, but will never cast you from his presence. There is nothing too big, too shameful, too sinful for you to go, Lord, I hold my hands up. I made a mistake. Rather, as we practice these things daily and weekly, as we grow in spiritual disciplines, what we find is that they remind us not just how much we need grace, but how much others are in need of it too. They make us more compassionate, more merciful. They remind us and fill us with a gratitude that God is so quick to forgive, so quick to extend mercy. So today, 
and tomorrow and for every day that follows, would you bring your shortcomings to God, trusting that he is slow to anger and abounding in love. For others of you today, I wonder if the call is instead to come closer. I wonder if there's a caution with you when it comes to God. Like it feels easier to trust him with kid gloves because you're not quite sure that if you jump in head first, he won't let you down. It's like you're riding a bike, but you just don't want to take off the stabilizers. There's something about the idea of giving away control. Every one of us struggles with it if we're honest. We want to feel empowered. We want to feel assured. We want to feel secure. And we have believed the lie that knowledge will afford us that, that having enough will do that, that being in control will sort that out. But it simply sustains feeling worried about scarcity, feeling worried about lack. It just kicks it down the line. Where we go, God, I'm not sure that I can trust you with the things of my heart. What I'm learning is that he doesn't go, oh, okay, let me do them. Rather, he encourages me that he is safe enough to be trusted with them. But he also reminds me that he will do as he sees fit, that he's God and I'm not. And I can't help but pay attention to what the Lord says in this passage. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. But my word that goes out from my mouth will not return to me empty. It will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I wonder if we don't need to change our lens with God from, yeah, you can do what I'd like to have your way in everything, to genuinely have it all. Because if we say yes to the invitation to come closer, God will use my life and your life to bring about his good and perfect will. We're the created beings after all, not him. And that yes to God will be the most liberating way that we can live this life because the alternative is always some form of striving, of working, of hustling to make things play out in our favor. But when we come closer to God, Everything else is a shadow to a life that is willingly lived for his glory and spent watching for the signs of his coming kingdom. For others still, I wonder if that call to come is a call to come deeper into the presence of God. Like Joshua in Exodus, is the Lord asking you to, long, to linger for longer in his presence? Is the Lord asking you if you would let him grow your faith and your expectation of what he can do when you choose surrender over success? I am constantly learning that where I think this is all that God can do, it is just the beginning. That where I set a ceiling, he sees a floor. But the reality is that he can only do what we allow him to. Not because he's limited, but because he is never going to steamroll you. He is a relational God who will do work with you. And I sense that the Lord is calling the Joshuas of this generation to step forwards and to take ground, to see it as their vocation to daily labor in the place of meeting, 
to devote so much of your time to prayer and to sharing your faith that you become inseparable from God, that for people to find you, they have to come to him first. In the Old Testament, Moses literally set aside a place called the Tent of Meeting, a physical place where he would come into it to see God face to face and to cry out for wisdom, for leadership, for direction. In the wilderness where all Moses could see was lack, having left slavery in Egypt behind, not knowing where he was going, he made time, time and time again to seek the face of God, to pursue the things of God, to not walk off until he was convinced the Lord was leading him through. Joshua, his successor, made the same decision. You found him in a place of worship before he was ever on the battleground. And through the work of Jesus, the visible image of the invisible God, through the very one who carries the things on our body that daily we repent of, everything that should have made us unworthy to even consider stepping into God's presence, somehow we get to come boldly. We get to pray to this God, to talk to this God, to seek his hand moving in the lives and places of those that we love. Isn't this the kind of thing that should be our daily bread? Opening the scriptures and crying out for the people that we love to know him and to know true freedom. I wonder if God is asking you today to seek his face consistently, to wrestle in prayer, to get rid of the to-do list and to just cry out in line with his heart and with his spirit that we might see a move of God across this city. Because here's the promise found at the end of the passage. You will go out in joy. You will be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. When you come closer when you inch deeper and deeper into the living water that is God's presence, you will know and experience true joy and true peace that surpasses all understanding. The presence of God in you will be so evident that even creation will cry out and testify to God's goodness. And from that posture, from that place, God will do works of restoration and renewal that you will spend your life trying to wrap your head around and understood what happened as he glorifies himself through your life, allowing you to come along for the ride. So as someone who really likes to know stuff, who really likes to be in control, can I encourage you today that human knowledge can only ever get you so far? There will always be more to learn, more to understand, more budgets to balance, more things to feel anxious about. But knowing and being known by God is precisely the opposite. Because though you will never exhaust his nature, he is far too big to comprehend. Everything you learn, everything that you grow to know will only serve you, restore you and fuel in you a desire to worship God the very thing you will be doing for all eternity. Today, would you give God your heart again? 
to the one who desires to be in relationship with you? Would you hand him the obstacles? Would you hand him the to-do list? Would you hand him it all? Not asking for answers, but asking for his presence. We're going to continue with our worship. So why don't I invite you to stand? And as we do, I want to pray that prayer from Ephesians over you. It's a prayer for God's church. And in whatever way helps you to concentrate, whether it's placing your hands out in front of you or closing your eyes, whether it's kneeling or lifting them up, whatever language you speak with God, receive these words for you. Receive these words for your family and your household. Receive these words for the things that weigh on your heart. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, all power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Come, Holy Spirit. Set your church on fire for the things of you. Thank you, Lord God, that you even let us worship in your presence. Thank you, Lord God, that you even desire to know us and be in relationship. Thank you, Lord God, that your mercies are new every morning. We pray that you would direct our worship, that you would lead us, God, that you would speak to our brokenness, that you would soothe our wounds and our pain, that you would speak and silence the shame that robs us of peace. Sovereign Lord, let us hear your voice. By your grace, we come closer that we might experience you in fresh new ways. Why don't we continue our worship? Hey, thanks for listening to this week's Saint Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. And if you want to find out more ways of connecting or if you want to support the vision of Saint, you can head over to saint.church. For now, have a great week and we'll catch up really soon.